Blood Brothers Podcast, a Five Pillars of Mad Monarchs production. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, dear brothers, sisters, friends, and even foes, and welcome to today's episode of the Blood Brothers Podcast with your brother Didi Hussein and my co-host Aki Hussein. Assalamu alaikum. And today we have a very special guest, Sheikh Muhammad Osman, the CEO of Salam Institute. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's a pleasure to be here. Jazakumullah for blessing us with your presence. I'm uh, Allah um, reward you for inviting me. I'm in your Rabb. How was your journey to Bedford? It was, it was it was interesting. I started to go to Luton first. I thought Bedford was in Luton. Oh God! Close enough. Oh God! That conflation. We need to overcome this conflation. Of Bedford and Luton. With Bedfordshire. Yeah. So I, then, I did a U-turn. Yes. More like a right turn, sharp right. Went straight. But you got here, alhamdulillah. I got here, yeah, safe and sound, alhamdulillah. And how are things at Salam Institute? Salam Initiative. Salam Initiative. Sorry. If you're talking about Salam Institute, you're sorry. probably referring to Salam Plus, which no, is that, our new. That, let oh. me just plug it in quickly. Yeah, quick, quick, quick plug. Quick plug. Yeah, it's, it's our new online bespoke learning. Yeah. If I'm completely free, salamplus.org. There it is on the screen. Salam it will be on the screen. Salamplus.org. Inshallah. Alhamdulillah. So how are things up in Salam? Salam is great, bro. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Salam, you know, for, for me, actually, Salam is a breath of, a breath of fresh air, bro. Mm. I mean, honestly, we are. I, I, I do believe that the da'wah is changing. Yeah. I believe how we go about that was changing. Obviously, we all know social media is the thing now, and it was for a few years, and it will be for the consumable future until something else pops along. So getting involved in social media, getting involved with the brothers who are, you know, more than just typical YouTubers, but actually have a lot of substance behind them and have, you know, a lot of, um, I wouldn't say clout, but I would say progression, and they have a lot of diversity and they actually have, you know, head on their shoulders when it comes to the da'wah. Mm. Ali da'wah, Muhammad hijab, and Ali da'wah is more controversial than Muhammad we'll, hijab. We'll, we'll, get we'll, that. That. We'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that towards the end <laughs> of the podcast. That excites, yeah? that excites us yeah, very yeah. much. We, okay, want to, okay. we want to conclude on these issues. <laughs> oh, but a bit of a side issue. Yeah, yeah. You're so young and handsome, mashallah. No, I'm, I'm not as uh, young and handsome as no, you. No, no, no. When you and, rocked uh, up... Uh, you, when, 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 this is the thing about Blood Brothers podcast. One of the criterias is they have to have the looks. Alhamdulillah, you're the first sheikh that we've had. Allah Allah. Allah. So you've set the standard. You've set a particular standard. Allah. Right? Allah. 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 Preserve on, come not come only on. your looks, but all the blessing that you bring on the deen of Allah. I'm miskeen, guys. I'm very miskeen. Sheikh, let me kick off today's podcast by asking you, at what point in your life... Yeah. Did you decide that you wanted to pursue knowledge uh, and scholarship? Allahu Akbar. Wow. That's and a, why? You know what? That's a very deep question. Allah. First of all, Sheikh, if you don't want me asking, yeah. how old are you? I am 31 now. Oh wow, 31. my. Wow. Yeah. So I'm um, uh, same age as my Even brother. Even this title, Sheikh, I don't like it. Wallahi, I don't like this title, Sheikh. Just call me brother, call brother. me even Ustad, whatever you want to call okay, me. But this title, Sheikh, is a very, very big title. Mm-hmm. It's, a very, it's a very lofty title. Um, but you know what I mean? Me, me seeking knowledge is, is a long one, Akhi. Give us an insight. It's an insight. Well, I mean, you have to go back to me finishing college, yeah? So I finished college, that's what, 18 years old. And I took a gap year and I went to Egypt. Now, at the time, Egypt was the place to go for Arabic. I'm not mm. sure if Dili, you, you guys were around at that, yeah. like within the kind of movement, the circle at that time. Yes, of course. It, it was but, a, it, yeah. familiar that that was where people gravitated to. People went to Egypt. Bro. It was yeah, a yeah, thing. Yeah. Yes, of course. So I went to Egypt. I thought, okay, you know, let me go to Egypt. And you know, when I went to Egypt, it wasn't to become a talib ilm, a student of knowledge. Mm. Wallahi, brother, it was literally because I remember in Tarawih, in Ramadan. And we're in Ramadan now. Yeah, I remember in Tarawih. I would be in Salah and people to the right of me and to the left of me would literally be crying here in the Quran, the Kalamullah. And I can honestly say, I don't, I mean, maybe a few times, but I used to, I remember standing there thinking, I don't even understand what's happening. SubhanAllah. Well, yeah. I don't understand what Allah Ajal is saying to me. Yeah. I want to cry. I want to cry. My heart wants to cry, but I don't understand it. Mm. 
And I felt not ashamed, but I felt like I could do better. Yeah. I could do better. Allah has given me a faculty of thinking. He's given me an aql intellect. I, let me go and study. Let me go and, and, and understand the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I went to Arabic for that purpose. So it wasn't just to broaden your your uh, vocab beyond akhi and and naam and taban and sah. I did not have sah. Okay. I swear, guys. Wallah, I mean, look, guys, you have to understand. Me, for me, <laughs> I, I taught myself how to read the Quran. <laughs> I taught myself how to. I remember when I was 16 years old, I was in a halakha with my friends in the masjid, and it wasn't. I was not raised un-Islamically, but my parents simply didn't put focus on this. Yeah. They put focus on my academia. I was a straight A student, straight A star student. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> I was excelling in all my studies. But when it came to the Islamic side of things, I, I was very. I was weak. Didn't your parents outsource it to Masjid, which is very common in the Desi community? I, I think what it is, I went a few times, uh, but I didn't like it. No. And I think once my dad came and he saw how the st- students were behaving, the children were behaving, no. he's like, I'm not sending you there again. No. So you never had to do this thing called the Murgi? No. Murgi, <laughs> what's Murgi? Murgi is where you have to put... Go on. So oh if you say, oh, I can't do it now, not in this, awesome, not in this ripe age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Murgi is like a punishment that the Imam yeah. would make you do if you misbehave. So if you are not good reciting Quran, on, or if you're talking too no, much, no, 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 they get you to squat under your knees like that Allah and then you have to try and get to your earlobes yeah but the kids are very flexible mashallah <laughs> long time this is you know you know he would dislike for a child to be forced to learn the Quran mm. and for him to be like pushed to learn it because he said this will create a dislike for the Quran this is true by the way means chicken so you make the position of a chicken. I mean, how many people grew up? This is the memory they leave with, you know. And yeah, I mean, what, what's your relationship to Quran now? When you think yeah. of the Quran, you probably you probably hate it. To be honest yeah. with you, I know for at least one person that became an apostate, bro, because of how he was treating him in madrasa. But there's a level of reverence and fear of the Quran, and 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 and, and, and yes. putting it, giving it such a high maqam and station in your life as a result of that discipline. So it stays at the top of the shelf. No, no, no. Uh, hopefully not part of industry. Right. So, so, I, so I, I, there was no dust in it. Yeah, so I went, I, mean, so I went to Egypt, I learned a bit of Arabic, I stayed for about, what, eight to ten months, you know, alhamdulillah, it was very beneficial, mashallah, tabarakallah. Then I came back, and uh, came back, and you know, with a bit of Arabic, I thought, okay, let me try and read some of the Islamic books. This was the time when kind of Medina University students were all around, and it was, mashallah, I mean, you know, knowledge was quite, was quite live at the time, you know. Um, so I thought, let me try and read a few books, I couldn't read anything, you know, to be honest, I couldn't understand anything. Uh, I was still quite weak in my Arabic. And then... You know that that time. So now we're going what two thousand beginning of two thousand eight, end of two thousand seven. Hmm. Yeah, roughly at that time. Yeah, that was a time when you know the Muslim woman was going through a lot. Of course. Yeah, there was a lot of oppression. There was a lot of injustices. There were a lot of you know scenes on the news and you know whether it's Afghanistan or yes. wherever the case may be. And you know, with me, he coupled with my, with my youth, you know, and my kind of emotional unintelligence or lack of in- emotional intelligence, for want of a better word, hmm. and my. My, my personality, which was that I'm a person, okay, if I see any type of injustice, wallahi, I don't care if you're Muslim or non-Muslim, it doesn't make a difference to me. I will stand with you. Is that when necessarily a bad trait though, Sheikh? Uh, no, I believe, it's, inshallah, I hope it's a good, a good trait. Yeah, we, sure we, know that, we know that Musa had this trait, we know yes. that Umar al-Khattab had this trait. The Anbiya, the Anbiya they, 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 they had, they had yes. this trait. I mean, even my wife, she hates, she hates driving with me. Because if I see something happen on the side of the road, straight away I pull the act, car yeah, up and I run act. outside. Yeah, That's yeah. just my nature, right? I actually can't think at the time. Last wicked. Yeah, Allah, I'm not prison, but be yeah. careful though in the car. It's bad sometimes, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. bad, especially if you're with kids and you leave them alone in the yeah. car. But anyways, I'm never jumping a lift with you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you, you just long the journey. Yeah, wait. Oh gosh. I'm yeah, it's 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 a bit of a nightmare. So go on, go on. So so so. So then, yeah. So that was happening, and you know, I felt, you know, subhanAllah, to be honest with you, I felt a sense of sadness seeing those scenes. I felt, 
you know, I felt like these Muslims were helpless. I felt like they were voiceless. I felt like no one cared about them. I felt as if they didn't, you know, no, no one no one cared about what was happening to them. The know? Muslim world generally or a specific country caught your attention? It was a Muslim world generally. Okay. Yeah, but specifically it was Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, specifically Afghanistan, a bit of Iraq as well. The kind of hotbeds for yes. what was happening in yes. the news at the time, right? So that sadness of mine, you know, it slowly started to turn to anger. Right. It started to turn to anger It started to feel as if you know There's something else I could be doing okay, Rather than sitting here And it's important that I mention that Because there was no one talking about this guys at the time There was I would I, I do out and Silence bro mm. Wait, the the UK? At that time yeah mm. The people in my kind of circle that I was I mean, it's not probably worth to mention, mention names But it was the mainstream kind of guys mm. It's absolute silence No discussion whatsoever no discussion really? whatsoever I mean mm. People are kind of scared to talk about that And that's only been By the way Off topic It's been kind of exasperated And intensified And amplified With the advent of prevent so, yeah, Because absolutely. now There wasn't a safe space For my day, day and age 2007-2008 Now there's definitely No safe space I mean you're You're, you're a doctor for crying out, You're mm. a teacher They have mm. an obligation mm. To report you And keep in mind Pre-9-11 You know we knew that fundraising for the jihad in Bosnia yes. and, 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 and fighting the Russians in Afghanistan was very open and actually allowed and supported in the UK. And everything changed after 9-11 and the dawn of the war on terror. Mm. So you were getting angry. Absolutely, and I feel yeah. that you're going to perhaps disclose something. So, I mean, yeah, so that, you know, you know, leading on from that, that, that kind of sentiment that I was feeling, it then... You know, I started to look for like a safe space, bro. I'll be honest mm. with you. I started to find look for a safe space. Who can I speak about this issue? Who can I confide in what I'm feeling? What I physically, for example, think needs to be done. Yeah. And I, I turned to the internet. In all honesty, I turned to the internet. You know, I found old books, sort of PDFs, forums, you know, these websites that probably don't are not there anymore. And even these books written, Allah, how how long ago by these unknown writers and whatever the case may be. But the language that I found the very jihadi language resonated resonate with you. Well, 100% it resonated with me yeah. because that was what I was feeling with at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have anyone I can consult and go back to. Mm-hmm. So then I made the decision that the only way this ummah will be rectified was jihad. And fighting. Fighting. Yeah. Uh, was fight, yes, and specifically that we meant specifically, specifically what, what, fighting. What, invaders and the regimes? Foreign invaders and the regimes. So it, for me, or weren't you that nuanced back then? Mm-hmm. No, that's I was not. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that was a nuanced party situation. Yahoo, Google, Bing was about. We'd be on Bing as well. Allah, okay. done. Yeah, it wasn't about. But you know, um, so I, I thought, you know, I, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to Afghanistan. And you know, at the time, obviously, when you have this like-minded thing, you start meeting like-minded people. Yeah. One thing led to another. Arrangements were made. Everything was laid out for me. Mm. And I made the I made the decision to go to Afghanistan to join the Taliban and fight against the you know the coalition forces. So you were you know. essentially as a British citizen fighting with the Taliban against the British armed forces, the coalition, which included British armed which forces, included them. which is a criminal offence. Which is a criminal offence. Mm. So what happened and how long did that last? So I left the country. I went to Turkey. Okay. It didn't pass beyond Turkey. Oh, God. Okay. It didn't pass beyond Turkey. Uh, Allahu Alam, what happened? We, we, you know, apparently things got, people got wind of things, and I think we, we were going to cross over to Tajikistan, from Tajikistan, go to the Hindu Kush Mountains, cross over. I mean, whatever. It's a tried and tested route at the time, yeah. Mm. We got wind that people were aware, whatever. So we, just, we, we made the decision, or I made the decision, 
to, to come back and knowing that I'd be arrested. And so I came back and lo and behold, you know, I remember subhanAllah seeing, I was in the plane, the, the, the plane and they had a camera at the nose of the plane. So you mm. can see directly in front of the thing. And I remember as it was landing, I saw this, this, this gleaming silver police van. In fact, I think there were two or three of them. And I thought, wow, this is it. So no red carpet and roses for you? No, no, no. No red carpet. They weren't saying, oh, you know what, thank you. You know, your intention was bad. They you were the deed. <laughs> they were, they you were. get ajr for this, actually. Thank you for coming. <laughs> they, bro, they were, they, were, they were guns that I didn't see before. Oh, yeah, that yeah, boarded yeah. the plane, bro. Let's yeah. just keep the it MP5. as that. Yeah, I've never seen these things before. They, t- they took me off and uh, went into the police car from their police station. And, you know, I remember when they, they appoint like a solicitor for you. And I remember at the time just thinking... It was all a whirlwind, bro. My head was, wallahi, I, I can't even begin to explain how I was feeling at the time. But the moment the solicitor said to me, they are going to charge you under Section 5, which is an intent to commit an act yes, of terrorism. Yes, yes. An intent to commit an act of terrorism. And you potentially face a life in prison. Wallahi, this fantasy bubble that I built around myself, it burst. And subhanAllah, was it a dramatic pop? It was dramatic. Mm. And, you know, the sadness I put my family through, my parents, the hardship they face. I remember I managed to make a phone call to my mom. She couldn't even talk to me properly. She couldn't even talk. The amount of crying that she went through, she was she was doing it. But of course, you don't think of this stuff. When you're in this state of mind, guys, wallah, you don't think of this stuff. You think only of Allah Jalla Ali. You think only of mm. what I'm going to do. Mm. And you think this is the right thing. And that's it. And, you know, so sadness, the hardship that they went through. Um, and then, you know, prison, we obviously I went straight into custody. That in, was a t- In remand. I was in remand. Yeah. That was a time of reflection for me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't want to sound cliched, but, you know, when you're in a cell and there's nothing there, you do have time to think and yeah. contemplate. It's just you and your thoughts in a cell. That's it. Which yeah. is why a lot of people actually, and I know a lot of people make tawbah. A lot mm. of people turn back to Allah, make repentance. A lot of people accept Islam in prison. You know, and I saw that my, with my own eyes. People accepting Islam left, right and centre. Um, I don't. Are you probably thinking about these kind of like uh, yeah, Muslim prisons yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah, that? No, no, no. But I was also thinking there's even some prominent cases where certain individuals came out of prison worse and more angry, yeah, and more filled with. But oh, that's in the Muslim right. world after torture and stuff. Oh, not so in the. Not, yeah, no, I mean that's different. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's one prominent individual without mentioning their name. Yes. you know, usually known by a Duracell battery kind of initials kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When, yes. They, when they spent some time yes. in, in a Yemeni prison, he was yeah, bro. He came out. You know, I can resonate with this to a certain extent. Not not because of what I went through, but this particular example, you know, he he changed, he flipped. I remember he was very moderate, but after prison... A very mainstream. Very yeah, mainstream. But absolutely. after prison, he started adopting very shared opinions, very minority opinions, not valid. And it was, it, was, it was quite radical, the kind of flip that happened there, yeah? So anyways, I was in prison. I was on remand for three and a half months. I actually got bail, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. My dad put down about, what, 10, 20,000 pounds for me, may Allah bless him. And and I came out, alhamdulillah. And that was, that was a situation in and of itself. I mean, I mean, I, I, wallahi, I did not understand what happened. I didn't understand the effect of what happened to me, what happened to everyone surrounded me. Yeah. I did not think of this, honestly. My parents, my mother, my father, my sister, my auntie and uncle, my auntie, I think nearly lost her job because of this. Subhanallah. You know, I mean, just it was just you don't a consider the, massive, the wider impact. You don't you? consider it at all. No. And I remember I came out, and I got a phone call straight away, mashallah, by one brother. Man, I He was in Egypt at the time. He called me, mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, a close friend of mine. You know, we used to go to his house to eat. And I wrote him and his brother, uh, him and his wife. They used to cook for us I mean. nearly every day. And he called me, and he said, listen, he said, Muhammad, 
Listen to me carefully. You studied Arabic, but you're not a scholar. You're not even a talibir. You don't know. You can't make these decisions by yourself. Because what I did, you know, coupled with my emotions and stuff, bro, as I said, I, I read a few books, I read a few fatawas, which were written, what, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And I so, said, you know what, this definitely applies to today. That's it. It's Afghanistan and the Soviet Union is the same now. Mm. And, and that was it for me. So what I did was Qiyas upon Qiyas. I mm. took a fatwa for one time and I applied with Qiyas on another time, which is according to the majority of the Sul Yun, if not all of them, it's completely haram. It's not valid. Mm. Mm. Obviously, I didn't know these nuances <laughs> at the time. Yeah, And... Uh, <laughs> and um, and so then I started to, to question myself, what do I actually know? You know what, what is right? Yeah. What is right? Before we, before we go into this, so you did three and a half months in, in, in remand. Yeah. Did you do a stretch after that? So yeah, I came out for bail for 10 months. And this process of me thinking what is right, what is wrong. Mm. That's where my talab started. Yeah. I actually... So you started seeking out whilst on bail? Whilst on bail, I started yeah, yeah, yeah. in Mash Strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> no, no, because Alhamdulillah, I finished Hifth of the Quran yeah. in Ramant. Yeah. Whilst I was in Ramant, I was nearly half it. Alhamdulillah, I finished it. I used to do about 10 pages a day. I had nothing to do. Alhamdulillah. Outside, I couldn't even hit that, yeah. Uh, even a tenth Mad. of that, one page was struggling, yeah. Mad. So I finished the Quran, alhamdulillah. I came out, I thought, okay, let me start my talab. I had that phone call, it was real. Someone I trusted, someone I knew, who knew me as well. And I started to do my talab al I started to read a bit more, I started to go back to the basics, I started to build upon my Arabic. And But obviously at the time, it was very, mashallah, there was one sheikh, very mainstream sheikh. You know, I used to go to his lessons, alhamdulillah. And he helped me a lot. He helped me a lot. There was actually, there's two actually, who helped me a lot. Mashallah, tabarakallah, very mainstream guys. They're very, very, very well known now. And, uh, you know, they helped me a lot. They took me under their wing and you know, I started my talib from that. After that, I got, uh, I went back in for my sentence. Which is how long? Three and a half years. Mm. Taking into consideration the time the I spent. The time you done in remand. On remand, alhamdulillah. Yeah. So yeah. I ended up in totality. I spent, on that stretch, was one year. And how was your, and which prison were you in, if you don't mind? I was in all sorts of prisons. Wait, 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 we, okay. moved, we moved back a lot. I was moved about all In that one year period, yeah? Yeah, even before and that. And did you, oh, really? did you yeah. meet any brothers at the time who attempted similar journeys like oh, yourself? Oh yeah, I met all of them. Man. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met all of them. <laughs> were they, were they, did they become as nuanced as you? Upon time well, that would mean you're still in contact with them. Uh, no, no, I mean, no, no, I mean, no, I mean, at that time, while I was in prison, while I was in prison, while I was, prison. Prison. No, I was, I was in prison, while you in prison, for example, one of the cases <laughs> that I met, I'm sure we can talk about this. Yeah, right? of course. One of the cases was that it was one of the first cases here. Yeah. It was the the ammonium nitrate. Yes, yes, the ammonium nitrate. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And those guys, right? Uh, and I met all of them, yeah, believe it or not, in Woodhill. I think they were doing their appeal or something at the time, bro. And let's just say, you know, Subhanallah. May, firstly, may Allah Jalal guide us on them, and you know, I mean, I mean. But prison is a place that you either go in, you make a change, or you come out worse. Or what you're feeling is intensified. If you don't have anyone who can sit down with you, speak to you on a level, firstly, you have to have trust in that person. Hmm. The truth is, there's no trust in many of the imams in the prison. Okay, hmm. Even these brothers, will not, some of them will not come to, to, to the masjid. There was a case of a man, I think, from Birmingham, yeah. plotted to... Beheaded British soul or something. Yes, like yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. There's been a number of these cases, but that, that that was a prominent one back in yes. 08, 09, I believe. Exactly. So I met him, and you know he he refused to come to the masjid. He used to call the masjid Dirar and uh, you know. Oh dear. It, it was a very hate. A lot of hate, bro. There's a lot of hate. There was a lot of anger. And uh, you know, you know. So I pray Allah Jalla gives these brothers a source of nur, a source of light, and a I source mean, of. I, I I don't want to lighten this matter, right? Yeah. But, but did you have you watched the film The Four Lions? Yeah, I've seen it. So, are there some brothers who <laughs> are saying the impersonations? No, no, no. no. So, 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 have you met? Actually, forget. Have you met? 
do you feel like one of those guys from Four Lions? I hope not. Not the one who who, who no. just blew himself up. Well, well, the rubber dingy <laughs> rapids. But but what I'm saying that are those kind of behaviorisms actually yeah. real amongst some brothers? I think that's what I was going to ask as well. I mean, without, like, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I mean, when, when to you, a certain extent. When yeah. you spent time with some of the brothers who yeah. had similar intentions in their minds, yeah. wanting to do the right thing, and, and you know, they believed they were doing yeah. and yeah. they thought that this was the correct thing to do to solve this problem. Yeah. Well, the thing is, these brothers, they were sorry. Yeah. Was there? Were you able to see a clear distinction in your attitude and your emotions that brought you there yeah. compared to brother X, Y, or Z? To be honest, these brothers, majority of them, if not all of them, had very strong ideological justification according to them of exactly what they were doing. Oh, so, oh, so they were affiliated to a particular group or a movement? They were affiliated to group movement. They, they're well known on the scene back in the day, anyways. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, okay. and for us, I was, I was not like that. I didn't yeah. have. I was fresh from Egypt, and you know, I thought that was it, and khalas, I went, but. These guys, I mean, there, were, there was a lot of ideological justification or attempts at justification, I should say, to do what they did. Um, and even there were brothers inside who were off that same kind of manhaj and methodology who weren't there for terrorism convictions, but they were there for fraud. And that, that's quite common on the scene as well. But still held the same position. Yeah, but, they, but, they were, but, but they were just doing things in Darul Harb, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't, it's don't, it's don't, halal, don't, you know? Don't get that, okay, no, 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 that me. has caused me a lot of headaches, man, brothers. Wallahi, honestly. I mean, I've, I've heard of a case of a brother going to Tesco and stealing a donut. No, we've had bangs, we've had shots. Yeah, that Krispy Kreme is going to help you, brother. Yeah, that original place. So, so you met within prison uh, brothers who are very entrenched ideologically Absolutely. in what they were doing and Absolutely. others that were involved in other shenanigans. Absolutely, yes. Um, so kind of moving on from yeah. that, it leads me on to kind of my next question is why Medina University? You know, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever explained how this happened, Subhanallah. So what happened? I came out of prison, and you know, I continued. I was on, I was on a uh, bit, not bit. What is it? I was on um, pr- probation. Yes. You know, St- very stringent conditions. Yeah. You know, but gradually they reduced over the yeah, time. Yeah. I went back to live with my parents. Eventually, Alhamdulillah. Then eventually, I got my own place to live and stuff like that. And it just so happened that my father, who used to work in the Saudi embassy as an accountant. He then moved on to the Kuwaiti embassy, but his close friend from the Saudi embassy, Uncle Mustafa, may Allah reward him, I mean, the I mean. best of rewards. You know, I remember guys in prison, Aqsim Billah, I remember in my cell, I used to have a nice view of like, very far view, but you could see like the road and you could see like the horizon. Yeah, yeah. I remember once I made a dua, sincerely guys, Wallahi, I believe this is da'wah to sitq. It was a sincere dua, I believe, from the heart. I was certain the promise of Allah Jalla wa'ala. And I made a dua and asked Allah, Ya Allah, allow me to seek knowledge. Allow me and facilitate me. And of course, the only place in my head popped up was Medina. Mm. I said, Ya Allah, allow me to go to Medina. Yeah. Obviously, guys, I'm sitting in a prison cell on a terrorism conviction. Mm. There is no way in my mind that will ever happen. But you know what? That was a sincere dua I made to Allah. And Allah Jalla wa'ala, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, La shay. Nothing can overcome Allah. Nothing's too great for Allah. Mm. Ask Allah. If you ask Allah for, for, for Jannah, it's mm. Aluhul Firdaus al Ask for the highest in Jannah, Firdaus. Mm. So I asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, anyways, fast forward now about two years. Yeah, I'm out, I'm out of prison. Uh, my, 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 my stretch is nearly finished. My father gets a call from Uncle Mustafa. And he says to him, Subhanallah, so randomly, he says, Does your son want to go to Medina? I don't know where that, that conversation never happened. My father was like, you know what? I remember my my son said this. Yes, he said, okay, great. Tell him to bring his old his papers, mm-hmm. because the Medina University uh, delegation, for the first time ever, they're coming to London and they're going to conduct interviews. Wow. This is the university. So so me and so, 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 so me and Aki have this thing called that when anything just 
hits the spot Absol- all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like perfect timing, yes. everything. It's a, a pearl like interconnected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bang, absolutely. Bang, bang, bang. Subhanallah. So I said, yes, yes, dad. Yes, Allahu Akbar. Please, yeah. oh, let me go. So I got the time, got my papers ready. And I was newly married at the time as well. Uh, my, my sentence just finished So I was driving around this, I remember this 56 plate BMW M Sport yeah. And uh, Go on Firing Just go <laughs> firing this. It's I relentless like, yes, I was like, yeah. My wife was there as well And uh, so I went for my interview And it was It was subhanAllah It was beautiful man It was really beautiful I mean the question they asked me I remember Firstly they asked How much Quran do you know mm. And I said Alhamdulillah I know all of the Quran Did they ask you where you learnt it? No they didn't <laughs> <laughs> He said come I'll show you Alhamdulillah <laughs> I just learnt it here and and, um, and then they asked me What are the biggest problem That you're facing Do you have any issues Like manhaj And I knew I knew, I had a gut feeling Subhanallah guys that, Yeah That they had an incl- inkling Of what happened No 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 But I had oh. a gut feeling That they were asking me About our brothers Who go to extremes Ah oh, okay In, um, in labelling others Muqtadi'ah And innovators oh. And stuff like this But isn't that kind of expected though Yeah no But what is At that time Medina University Was gradually moving away from that yeah. Okay. They were moving away from that. Yes, yeah. so I had an inkling. Thing. So Can't I sauce you out. Exactly to yeah. see what I'm, what I'm about. Right. So I said this. I said, "Brother's going to Tabdir with a little Arabic that I knew at the yeah. time, of course." Yeah. But I was going to Tabdir. They go. They label others innovators. They go here. They go there. Blah blah blah. And this is you know it's causing big problems in the da'wah. And I saw them say, "Okay, fine, fine." After the interview, I was like, okay, "I'm not sure." Uncle Mustafa comes. He's like, "Come, let me take you to the head of the culture at Tache." Yeah. yeah. He took me to the head. I was like, why? But little do I know. Well, after I went to Saudi, I realized that's that's like a formality. When basically you've been accepted to something, you go see the head guy. Yeah. He puts his signature literally yeah. in any part of the paper, and he passes it on. So he took me. He was like, ask me a few questions. Little signature, and that was it. Then I didn't hear anything apart from that. Respect, Uncle Mustafa. May Allah, may Allah, Allah, Allah bless him. He's still alive. Uh, he's still alive. Alhamdulillah. Still yeah, alive. Best one present. He sounds like an outright G. Mashallah. Came through fully. Allah, he did. And he just took me to random people and introduced me. And I left, and I didn't hear anything for a few months. Now I'm I go to I go to a place um, with my wife. I think it's called Chelsea in Essex. So I thought let me yeah. just go away for the weekend quickly, right? And because um, I remember at that time, guys, I haven't left the country after my conviction. I couldn't even take my wife on a honeymoon. We were newly married because I was thinking, you know what? I don't know. Can I travel? I don't know what will happen to me if I travel. So I'm there with her, right, in this little thing next to the beach, or whatever. And I get a phone call from one of my close friends. And he's like, he's like, Muhammad, you've been accepted to Medina, Akhi. I'm like, what? Sorry, come again, bro? Mm-hmm. He's like, the list is out. Your name's on it. I'm like, what? Allah is starting to hit me. I open, I go on my, I go online. Wait, I didn't have my laptop. I think it was my phone. I go on and see my name's there. Shalom. I'm like, Aisha, I'm like, Aisha, I've been accepted, subhanAllah. Can you believe it? My wife, Miskina. And it was a bittersweet moment for her. Because we were newly married. Yeah. She knew that I would have to leave. And, you know. And, and then I was like, alhamdulillah. So then there was a second stage now. Anyone who gets accepted to Medina Shabab, you have to go to back to the culture at Tetche. You've got to take your papers. It's a lot of running around. Yeah, yeah we had. We, 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 I'm we, sure we. most brothers it, don't even make it. It's a long process. It's a long process. So I'm there, I'm running left, right, and center, and I've got finally everything except for a police letter. Oh dear. Yes. Which goes through my obviously it's gonna disclose my conviction. It's like a CRB basically. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. of course. So I come to the main guy in the culture at Tetche. And I knew I, I knew I could not get a CIB. I can't. It's just no yeah. point, right? And you know, I said to my wife, you know, if Allah Jalla wants this to happen, it will happen. You know, I have to do my part, and the rest is in the hands of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I go there. Lo and behold, I see this very slender man coming down. He looks at me. He looks at my name on the paper, and he's like, "Are you Khalid's son?" Okay. 
خالد اسمه الفادز نيم اوكي يو خالد سن يا 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 خالد ماي فادز خالد اوه ما شاء الله تبارك الله يو نو وات ويت رايت هير ام غونا جو اب سيز اند برينج ذا بيبر ستريت اواي اند هي كومبليت ذس هول ثينغ اوف ذا سي ار بي واز اغنور ذس از You know, you know, you know. I, I tell you something, Chef. You know, when we, you know, on our podcast, oh, where we, you know, you, you find a lot of interjections. I'm admiring you just listening to the story. Oh, Mashallah, that's just. You know, we were talking. You know, we gave that. That's the continuation. This is now. You know what I mean? It's just a thing that me and Aki have. It's just when everything just hit in the spot all the time. Like yeah, it was such a a, a crazy turn of events. No, honestly, Subhanallah, it was so crazy, man. Because that's the moment you thought I said everything. Yeah, I thought, خلاص, that's him's carrying with life. I had a good job at the time. Alhamdulillah, you know, through through one organization, I thought I'm just gonna carry on with life, you know. And lo and behold, half an hour later, my papers are there, my visas, everything's there. Done. Let me let me ask you this then, right? So you went off to Medina University. Medina University is very well known for producing uh, scholars and and senior tulabal ilm who come back to the Western world. And and generally speaking, they're no different to Al Azhar or the Darul Ulooms of the world. You know, the the major uh, institutions in terms of uh, producing scholars uh, who then go on to Islamic institutions, masajid, and then maybe speakers at events. Do you feel especially someone with your background and lived experience yes. of wanting or attempting to go to Afghanistan yeah. to fight jihad um do you feel that there is a major disconnect between the scholarship that's produced whether it be Medina University or even the other institutes yes. and that of the challenges that the youth are facing mm-hmm. like you did when you were in your 20s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right because yeah. let's be frank about it right yeah. if, for the listeners who watched episode 1 you'd know this as well the very idea of blood brothers was born out of what what was that conversation we had well, it was born out from the idea of there's so many people that we see in the public eye and social media who we love and enjoy listening to and um now I'm talking about the ISIS interaction though. oh that specific conversation yeah oh okay well happened, it, it, it all kicked off from me and Dilly having a role play we, we literally did one hour role play are you serious literally yeah, you yeah. just sat in our well, we had a car it wasn't one hour I think it was well over one hour it was from 11 till 2 in the morning so I was, I, 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 was, I was a youngster from East London who wanted to basically kill people here or go okay. off to Syria okay. and Aki was the, 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 the basically you can say that I was someone who was outsourced by a relative to mm-hmm. calm this young man down <laughs> and literally, and literally Sheikh, we just did role play for one hour Okay. So yeah. what I want to ask you then is I would even go as far as to say the sentiments that you had yes. the ghira that you had for yeah. the ummah uh, you know identifying that it was going through much hardship and you wanted to do something about it I would go as far as to even say the sentiment of those who go off to go and fight I would even dare I say even those who go and commit acts which are clearly prohibited in Islam yes. mm-hmm. yeah that the sentiments you'll find that amongst many muslims absolutely I just feel that there is a major disconnect between the scholarship that's mm-hmm. been produced from the Muslim majority world and the disconnect with the shabab here. Yes. Because Muslims, let's be frank about it, angry. Absolutely. We're vexed, you Absolutely. know, and, and, and no, if we no. are Ummat al-Wahid, no. and we know of the hadith where we are like one body, and when we see one is harm, we, we, we respond in fever, yeah? yeah? So when we see yeah. Palestine, when we see Kashmir, when we see Afghanistan, Iraq, Burma, East Turkestan, it, literally the list is endless. Absolutely. Even UK, what's happening in UK? So the sentiment Absolutely. is correct, is one which is positive and shows ghira. How then exactly. does that transform? Yeah, how is yeah. that channeled? I personally feel that there is... It disconnect. Absolutely. I feel that there is a disconnect between the scholarship that's been produced yeah. and how they and how they handle yeah. their own emotions yeah. when they observe 
what's happening yeah. around yeah. the world and yeah. how the how the, the Muslims who maybe don't have as much knowledge mm-hmm. um, how they handle those emotions I think there's a how do you feel there's also the thing is is that look we can't divorce ilm and scholarship and we can't divorce this from the market from the reality that we live in we so. can't divorce it from contextualization yeah now unfortunately you see many people even if they were the most knowledgeable people it doesn't mean that he can relate with the average joke the mm. average Ahmed mm. Mm. it doesn't necessarily mean that we have certain people for certain crowds even some of my mashayikh, you know, they could not relate with the awam, but they could relate with the students of knowledge. Yes. And it's the students of knowledge that attend their lessons, privately or otherwise, who then disseminate that knowledge to the communities. Mm. You have students of knowledge from my kind of people I've graduated with who have gone to become, mashallah, very good imams. Mm. You have others who have gone on to not even go into the da'wah field, who have gone to do other things, you know, but they're still playing an active role in the youth. Why? Because they lived that background. They can connect. Many of them, you know, had a type of jahiliyyah as per se on the roads and stuff like that. So they so, can relate. So, so you're countering that there actually are imams yeah. who yes. have been produced by Medina University and perhaps even other issues that are, are fulfilling this Precisely. duty. Precisely. But, you know, I have to be a bit more caveated here in my discussion and say that I do not believe that the curriculum in Jamia Islamiyah in Medina in, will equip someone like this and will develop someone like this. Someone like this has been developed by himself, yeah. first and foremost. Has their own culture. Or it's been developed by his murabbi, his mm. person who is responsible for tarbiyah in Medina. Mm. But all of these are separate from the university. This has to be made clear. The university is an academic place. Yeah. You go into, just like here, in, in, hey. we go to our lessons, we have our lecturers, you leave. You mm. come, you submit your coursework, do your exam, and you leave. The curriculum isn't tailored for you to the, go and be effective in It is London. not tailored at all. And mm. there are even bigger problems in the curriculum, yeah? Which is another whole any kind of discussion. Is this how traditional scholarship was, by the way? Of course not, Akhi. Because this is the problem with are, are, we not, are, are we not creating and, and wallahi I, I don't mean this in any disrespect wallahi may Allah preserve and bless all our tulab ulim and ulama who have invested their life ameen. and time and, but are we not essentially imitating western institutions and creating theoretical bookworms who are, who are detached from real life issues and yeah. from my limited reading and understanding of Islamic history, that was never the case. Ulama were accessible. They were very multifaceted. They were very approachable. They were, able to, they, 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 they were able to deal with, and which was a very prophetic thing, deal yeah. with different peoples of different societies of different backgrounds. Absolutely. I just feel that... Look, look, I, 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 I don't want this to be a, a, a bashing of ulama. Yes. Wallahi, I don't. No, I, no, of I, 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 it's I, not that, it's the institutions. Yeah, but not all institutions yeah. are the same. We need to also make that very clear as well. There are certain other institutions, for example, Nedwa, Nedwa to the It's very different from Medina University per okay. se. There's a lot of emphasis on, I would not say traditionalist kind of Islam, because of course Medina has that as well. But there's more, There's the, you know, there is a one-on-one interaction. This is the same for other places. For example, Mauritania. Hmm. You know, Mauritania now, for example, if you go to that, the Mahnara, they yes, call it, yes. yeah, it's literally like a moving tent with a yeah, moving yeah. kind of, uh, you know, Bedouins. Yeah, yeah, and the, the ulama themselves, are, you know, they have camels and they feed mm. and stuff like that. There's a large emphasis on tarbiyah because mm. the community, the environment will play a, a factor and a role in that. Mm. Okay. That will give you tarbiyah and the mashayikh that will, will facilitate that happening. Yeah. But when you have seminaries, now academic <laughs> seminaries, that traditional kind of spiritual, dare I say, aspect is lost. And now the intent is to uh, pass exams and so on and so forth. I mean, for example, I share a story that Sheikh Abdul Kim Khudir, Allah Yafadu, mentioned one of my mashayikh, mm-hmm. he said, you know, when they were young, uh, they used to go memorize the Quran in these rundown masajid, no AC, no air conditioning, nothing like that, but all of them will be hufad. But now the masajid, mashallah, mukayyafa, they have beautiful ACs, mashallah, the comfort level is up to there, you know. Mm-hmm. 
no one's half of anymore. Oh dear. No one comes out half of anymore. Mm. And even one of my mashayikh, Sheikh Ahmed Sunusi, who's one of my, you know, subhanAllah, he's not very well known, but he's an, I consider him an ayah, min ayatillah, a sign from the sons of Allah in his knowledge and how he conducts himself. I mean, he used to sit after Fajr, very skinny man, subhanAllah, he used to mm. sit after, and young, mid 30s. He would sit after Fajr and he would have students, professors from the university even, from Fajr all the way until Dhuhr, coming to him with different lessons. You have Balagha, Nahu, Sarf, mm. Fiqh, Mustal al Hadith, Usul al Fiqh, you name the all subjects. The sciences, yeah. And he would just sit there cross legged, not a single book in front of him. Wow. Well, not a single book in front of him. But when he speaks, it's as if he's, subhanAllah, has all of the kutub open in front of him. Yeah. So wow. he used to say to us that the problem with Talab al the problem with Western modern day academia, because that's what it is now. That is what it is. Yeah. That is academia, that's right? Is. Yeah. is that it messes with the students' intentions. Mm. Before people would study for the sake of ilm to remove the ignorance from themselves, from, from others, and to get closer to Allah to preserve the sharia. This is the, one of the greatest intentions you can have, which is to seek knowledge to preserve the sharia. You are a vanguard of the sharia. When you have that, when you have that mindset, let's talk about mindset, everyone's talking about mindsets, right? Mm. When you have that mindset, your ethos is completely different than someone who's going to pass an exam. Yeah. So I can ask you something. So, 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 I just want to pick up on something you said, to be vanguards of the Sharia. Could it then be kind of argued that since there isn't a holistic manifestation of the Sharia on earth, no. that this has also contributed towards this kind of institution and, 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 and kind of seminaries that are basically just theory exam based? Absolutely. Sense. And we're going to come back to the Khilafah Uthmaniyah now, isn't it? No, no, uh, no, no, no. But you know, the thing we is. love the K word. You know. <laughs> You know, you know Sageman, Sageman wrote a book, I think his name is Mark Sageman, he wrote a book called Leaderless Jihad. Yes, 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 Mark Sageman oh, is... Oh, you know about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, great. Our brother Asim Qureshi uh, cites him in a lot of his works. Oh, excellent. He's the former CIA guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and you know, he, it, it, he talks about an assumption of authority. Hmm. You know, even when I was kind of went through my, my issue, everyone talks of such authority over Islam, hmm. such command, <clears> such ownership. That you start, unless you're nuanced in usul and stuff like that, you start to believe, wow, that's it. Mm. Islam is this. Islam is the Shaykh said this, Allah said it, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said it, that's it. With such authority to impose that on others. Do you get it? Yeah, yeah of course. So that that's part of the problem, Akhi. It's assumption of authority. Yeah. So, but, so but, question which is really due to the vacuum of. Yes. So, yeah. you know, you, you gave, you know, you're discussing how because of the way. We see academia now that is set up for knowledge to be gained in the Muslim world, whether it's yes. Bidhi or Azhar or whatever else it may be. How do you how do you remedy that now with people that have come, with yes. you know, the new batch of Mashaykh that have come back to the Western world, whether it's UK or anywhere else in Europe, no. they come back, they're loaded with knowledge, they have knowledge they didn't have before, mm-hmm. um, they've been advised and informed yes. physically yes. with qualifications, as well as their peers that you know you're qualified to speak on XYZ matter. How do you now remedy that? Because there's, there's, there's a void, there's a spiritual void because yeah. of the manner in which it's been taught, potentially. Yes. Um, with a pure mindset. How, how do you feel that? Can, I just, can I just add to that, yeah. Shia? So, so maybe you can... Because you can, you can, it must be difficult. Two birds so. in one stone, kind of. So, so adding on to exactly what Aki just asked, how do you now, with the Tulabal Ilm and, and, and the new up-and-coming scholars that are being produced by these seminaries and, 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 and great institutions, do you now come back to the West in the climate of the war on terror mm. and now deal with the youth mm. who... Forget about the foundations of, of Islam, which is essentially ideally where we want everyone to start. 
But they now need to know stuff about the Sharia, about the Hudud, about Al-Wala Wal-Bara, about Khilafah, about Jihad, about citizenship, about when and when we can't fight. Because it's being discussed everywhere. How do you marry that, coming back to here, with youth that now have these questions? Because if you don't give them the very the questions that are killing them inside, they'll just go go to the internet yeah. like yeah, you like, did. Like me. <laughs> well, I mean, look, there's a saying, right? Someone mm. who doesn't have something can't give it. Okay. Now, the problem with many of the brothers who, who graduate and come back, and we've seen this because some of them have come back and caused more problems than they should have, yeah. which is that if you don't have tarbiyah, if tarbiyah was not given to you, okay, then you... In turn, can't give that to someone else. Okay, you can't. In turn, can't give that to someone else. So you can't then take your knowledge that you've learnt, and it's like it's like honestly, it's like filling sometimes a, a bit of a. It's like a dirty glass. You're mm. filling with water. That water become murky. Unfortunately, we've seen this many times. Forget the spiritual aspect. That's a major thing, and I can't downplay that enough. But even lack of tarbiyah, lack of contextualization, even lack of usul. To be honest with you, this is a key thing I want to emphasize on. Lack of maqasid sharia, lack of fiqh in general. Yeah, if you don't have this tarbiyah. And even Sira, going back to it, you know, how did Nabi Sallallahu interact with everyone around him? There's a beautiful book by Sheikh Salah Munajid called Kayfa Amalahum. How did he interact with them? Mm. And he goes to how did Nabi Sallallahu interact with Munafiqoon? How did he interact mm. with this person, mm. that person? If you don't have this type of tarbiyah, what was the name of the book by Sheikh Munajid? Kayfa Amalahum. How did he treat them? How did he do it? It's been translated to English as well. Okay. Very good book. We'll plug the book in the, yeah, yeah. it'll be on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Then you can't then give this tarbiyah to others. Mm. Okay. You can't give this tarbiyah to others. In fact, you might even assume and think you're giving tarbiyah, you're creating a bigger disaster. Than if you will, and nowadays, just to, to, to touch on upon what you mentioned, the youth now, I believe, the environment is much more chaotic than it was when I was growing up. I'll tell you why, because now, not only are they faced with the onslaught of liberalism, the liberalization of Islam mm. coming from institutions like Quilim Institution, yes. and so on and so forth, uh, they're, they're faced with now the you know upsurge of so called doubts that have been spread now about Islam, yeah. even in the academic sense of the word. Um, they're faced with a lot more the war on terror. They're faced with a lot more than we were faced with at the time. Mm. So, I and I said my words might be harsh, guys. Yeah, they might be harsh. Brothers, even who you know, my friends who are students of knowledge, and they might they might disagree with me. But, wallahi, I honestly believe that if students of knowledge don't want to become redundant and unnecessary, okay, then they have to expand their toolbox. Mm. Mm. They have to expand their toolbox. Going away and studying. Wallahi, one of my friends from Medina, subhanAllah, as well. Yeah, from Pakistan. He actually called me the other day. He memorized 20 books in hadith. Brothers, he knew it like we know Fatiha. He wow. was an inspiration for me. I mean, ask him any hadith. So and so narrated it. This sahabi, and he gave the nuts of the hadith, like wow. a database. Beautiful. But he had no fit. Oh, can we say this, Muhammad Uthman? Can you? <laughs> Maybe we have to. Forgive the Sheikh. Yeah. You know. The question is fiqh now, understanding yeah. of this and applying this. Mm. Okay, take this, apply it here without tarbiyah and stuff like this, you're going to create problems. Now, if you come here with this kind of hifth and this kind of understanding and stuff, and we always, we always try to do this in Medina. This is what we do. We try to memorize hadith, memorize mutun, study them, devote our lives, have complete tafarruq for ilm. But it's come to the stage now where you might be good for an imam. You might be good for sort maybe for Tawa if you reach that level dealing with nawaz and new issues. But that's about it. That's about it. Mm. If someone came to you now and said, How do you deal with Aisha? Why did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam marry her at such a young age? 
Or could they deal with the question of Quraitha and these kind of things? Quraitha. How, what about inheritance now in yeah. Islam? What about divorce? Divorces mm. are women subjugated in Islam. What about these new issues that are being thrown about now in the da'wah scene? You're unaware of them. And your studies, because you're lacking that background in political philosophy, or you're lacking in general philosophy, especially yeah. moral philosophy is one of the main things now, yeah? You can't, you're not equipped well enough to deal with it. Now that's something I faced after coming back, which is kind of what led me to Salam. No, but I don't mean to digress, but isn't there also a danger, and there's actually proven evidence of where uh, traditional Orthodox Tlaabal Ilm and, and, and some shuyukh, some in the States, we even had them in the UK, where they've acknowledged that issue, yes. engaged in Western philosophical academia, and literally went completely the other way. Because then what yes. ended up happening was that an inferiority complex that they had, yeah, and, 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 and what they knew of normative Islam had then become tarnished and tainted with mm-hmm. Western philosophical ideas. Okay, there's there's no. there's at least two prominent examples without mentioning names in the UK and the US that have been affected. Yes, um, this actually brings me to another point which I was going to talk about, which is the importance of having a group around you, mm. surrounding yourself with people that you trust. You trust their short mashura from you. You mm. trust their viewpoints. You trust their knowledge, even if it's not Islamic related, but you trust their knowledge in whatever field they're a specialist in. And surrounding yourself. The problem is, brothers, is that I've seen when you distance yourself from others that are it should be around your your circle. This is what happens. Absolutely, I can't you agree start, with you. Start whether it's wallah, whether it's kind of like the over philosophization of Islam, or whether it's other things as well, like falling off completely. Mm. Stop practicing, man. We know brother subhanallah one brother from Qur'an he came back. Yani Allah mustani completely. You know, went completely different. You know, he he mm. left. I think he's still Muslim. But the fact I have to say that is telling you the the, the situation. To, yeah. So you have to surround yourself with a with with people that you trust. And and try and find a mentor mm. that you trust. Mm. So you know the nature of learning, brothers, is that we're learning th- new things. Okay, mm. this is our nature as Banu Adam, as creations, uh, sons of Adam. We learn new things. We are continuously learning. As Imam Ahmad from the cradle to the grave, right? So. And it isn't just Islamic sciences; it's anything. Mm. Because Hikmah, Nabi Sallallahu Wisdom, Dalatul Mu'min, it's the lost property of the believer. Mm-hmm. Wherever he finds it, wherever he will take it. So we're learning. We continue to learn. So, 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 so back to this, back to this issue where we have Shabab in the UK yes. who are watching the news, reading the news, seeing wars, oppression, injustices, seeing every Tom, Dick, and Harry speaking about Khilafah and Islamic State and yeah. Sharia law and yes. Hudud and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Everyone but the Muslims are talking about yes. fundamental aspects of our Deen. It's not an ideal situation that the youth put, even want to be in. But how do you deal with, as an imam or someone who has newly graduated from Medina University or even the other uh, prominent seminaries, how do you deal with a generation of Muslim youth who have had to kind of be fast-tracked? It's in their everyday vocabulary now. So when they yes. when they discuss Islam or these things come up when, when you ask them about you know Islam and how is your lived experience of Islam at the age of 17 18 19 20 these things come what up what are your interactions in university on campus yeah. what kind of pressure do you get from institutions that you're currently in mm-hmm. whether you're in college uni mm-hmm. whatever it may be what do mm-hmm. you speak about at home what do you speak about with your boys whatever it may be you you'll find that a lot of the youth especially from my experience are discussing matters yeah that some people who have dedicated their yeah. entire decades yeah. are shying away from because they know how how complicated and how. I don't think murky. complicated is the word. Well, no, I think you're looking for another word, not even murky. 
Um, controversial. Controversial, perhaps. Um, uh, concerning on the potential impact it can have on them personally. Look, man, I mean, yes. I'm, look, um, but, 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 but it just goes to show that it does that mean that the people who are who have dedicated their life learning yeah. Yeah. have established a wisdom, or does it show that the youngsters um, are lacking wisdom and are just basically discussing what's been shoved down their throat anyway? No, no, we have friends yeah. who are not necessarily practicing, yeah. right? And they've come to us and they've, they go, look man, you know, I had a customer come see a car today and the guy asked about ISIS and what an Islamic state is. I had this guy who I met mm. in this particular meeting and he said, do you guys really chop the hand of the thief and do you guys really kill the apostates? We had a brother yeah. who had a surveyor come to his house to, oh to value, his, value his home. Oh gosh, and oh the gosh. first thing he said was, he goes, so <laughs> do you agree with ISIS? Yeah, this is just a surveyor. This is sentence one of the visit. Yeah. <laughs> So, 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 so given and, that and reality, then, and then said to him, uh, "So, how long has your wife been in the country for?" She was born here. So, 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 given that reality, and, 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 yeah. and, exactly, and, yeah. and I think he, yes. you can see it however you want, but I think the guy was just making conversation. He was, and he was just casually making conversation. Oh so, so, oh so, 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 even when you speak to some of the brothers up and down the country, yeah. do you guys want to be in a position where you have to talk and articulate and defend things? Ideally, not because we're yes. not, we don't know about these things. But since we're given the the context and the reality that we're in, can you help us? What yes? What what would you do? do? Do you then tell them no? Go back to basics and say no comment. Yeah. Or is there a level of expectation? In my responsibility? In my experience, this kind of rhetoric of this doesn't concern you. Don't worry about it. It mm. doesn't work. No. Because for the reasons you mentioned, people are experiencing this. Man, university, mm. college, a surveyor coming to your house. It's there. So we have to equip the Muslims, the general Muslims, with arguments that are robust, that are battle tested, that are strong, mm. that are you know based on. What we know of the Sharia and also what we know from political philosophy as well, and it has to be articulated in an intelligent way enough for them to digest it and also return it, yeah, and and, and give it if needed. And this is well, I don't want to keep plugging Salam, but this is what we're doing. Just the other day, Alhamdulillah, long- bear plugs. Yeah, sorry about keep, that. Keep sorry going, about keep that, going. guys. Carry on. <laughs> Can you put the links as well? Is that yeah, yeah. what donation link as well? <laughs> there may no. be some conflict now. Why there's no conflict? So there's no I conflict. recently, Alhamdulillah, I lo- I lo- my book got published as well. Yeah. I just published a book. Mashallah. It's called The Woman in the Text. Wow. And it's a collection It'll be of essays. the bottom of the video. Uh, it's a collection of essays uh, dealing with controversial issues connected to women. Many things that unfortunately people shy away from talking about. I mean, wallahi, brothers, you know this essay, the one I wrote by Aisha radiallahu anha yeah. and the union of her Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam at such a young age. You know, I believe, and I'm Doran Blomo and Trumpet, you know, but it's one of. Should we blow it for you? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> it's, it's definitely one of the, inshallah ta'ala, you know, a, a very good piece of research. I, I, I sincerely believe that. I sincerely believe it's a good piece of research, okay? Yeah. And I hope people can read it and come back to me with corrections, inshallah, yeah? I actually delivered a khutbah based on this essay. Because I talk about it from a more philosophical back framework first. That's the first thing I deal with, right? So if you use the, the, their kind of principles and you show from their principles, wait a minute, extrapolate yourself from the situation. Why am I even asking this question? Why, why should I even ask this question for? Is it good? What's, how do I substantiate what good and evil is in the mm-hmm. first place? All right, and I talk about it from there. I talk about my historical record of comparative religion, and even at the end, I kind of nuanced it with an Asuli discussion, which, by the way, is the most powerful way to answer this. Which is that Islam, I'll very quickly say, which is that Islam prohibits any kind of harm. Nabi said, "La dara wa la dirar." And Hadith Mursal, many accept a view as weak, but the meaning is authentic by consensus, right? La dara wa la dirar. There is no harm, and nor is there reciprocating harm. So this transcends any age of marriage. Because if a person, for example, was elderly, 
but being married will cause harm and you know consummation of that marriage will cause harm for they example be, Islam yeah. prohibits it yes. likewise underage to, a, uh, to an extent where you know it would cause harm it's irrelevant uh, mentally uh, impaired person you name it mm. Islam has a firm foundation to stop any type of harm happening whether it's physical whether it's psychological so on and so forth so anyways I, I got called to deliver invited to deliver a khutbah one mission I thought okay let me just I didn't have anything prepared in all honesty and uh, so I thought let me just deliver this khutbah based on my essay right hmm. and I think it was the first time most of that congregation have ever heard this in a khutbah hmm. and this is one of the main reasons why people leave Islam brothers I hope hmm. you know this hmm. and afterwards I had such a positive response. I had uncles, grey beards, walking coming to me and saying, Brother, Wallahi, my iman has gone high now. Alhamdulillah. My iman's gone high. One brother came and he works in the media. He's like, you know, Sheikh, I've never heard a khutbah like this before. This is honestly the best khutbah. I've been to so many talks, lectures, conferences, but this one actually had some kind of meaning. Was this khutbah recorded? I was just going to say, is it available it, online? I, it, no, it's, I don't think it's online, no. <laughs> well, try to deliver it again somewhere. Yeah, yeah, make yeah, sure it's recorded, inshallah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I'll try yeah. to do that. I'll try to do that, inshallah. inshallah. We just have to but we need to make it clear, we're not, you're not calling for the change of the laws of this country to, no, of course not. to make it underage, but we're giving yeah. uh, an accurate kind of account and a defence from the popular detractors the Orientist detractors of their view of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is that he was depraved and all of these things, right? Yes. And even the far right, this is yeah. the main kind of thing. Yeah, it's the whole accusation. Yeah. The go-to, yes. Absolutely. But Shaykh, if, if, look, just, just so we can move on to the next thing. If you could give yeah. one message to your fellow peers, no. even those who may not even come back, come from your kind of theological background or, no. or school of thought, etc. Aspiring students. Yeah, aspiring no. students, those who have kind of made it, they're here, and they have to face the shabab who have these kind of questions yes. and queries, what would you say to them? In I would of say, number one, humble yourself. Mm. Humble yourself because it is very hard, brothers, once you've memorized Sahih Bukhari and Muslim, mm. you've memorized about 20 mutun, the texts and mm. aqeed and fiqh and so on and so forth. It's very hard to humble yourself now and to say, you know what, I don't actually know anything about this topic. And please teach me, educate me. You know, and I had these kind of conversations when I after I came back. So I would say, humble yourself. The essence of ilm is tawadur. It is tawadur. If you it's humility. If you lose humility, you've lost everything. Mm. And Nabi Sallallahu said, the person with kibra will not enter into jannah. So do you turn the shabab away then, as a result of not having that? So I'm, this message is addressed to my to my peers. Yes. This yeah. is addressed to people who are aspiring to Allah, mm. and stuff like that. Humble yourself. Become well educated, mm. not just in the Islamic sciences, but branch out, yes. branch out, but have your circle around you, mm. have your circle around you. Um, now, what advice would you give with regards to practically a, a shift in attitude? If that, if someone's if someone's struggling with that, if some people have maybe got uh, an intention or an idea that they want to do this because they feel they have the ability to, because yes. they've shown it academically here. With their GCSEs and A levels and university, whatever it may be, mm. um, but they have an intention to, you know, come and be a hero in the UK. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to be a spiritual hero. I want to come. I want to bring knowledge to my area. Um, is that a dangerous mindset to start with? You know, the thing is, this. I think it kind of it's linked to the safe sect mindset. Oh dear. Yes. Oh dear. Yeah. It's linked to which the... exists in nearly every Jamaah and every group. Let's uh, let's be let's be honest and about it. It always existed. Yeah. Uh, it existed with the Mu'tazila. Yeah. It existed with nearly every sect in Islam yeah. Yeah. attributed to Islam. Everyone had it, mm. um, and I think it feeds off that. You know, you you have to respect your people around you, respect your peers, respect the people who have grey beards in this tower. You know, even 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 the uncles. You know, the people who are not involved who have no not respect them, respect their wisdom, learn from their experiences. To have this kind of mindset that 
I will make the biggest the, the change. Mm-hmm. I will be the one. I will be the cause of rectification, of islah. It's, you probably cause more harm than good. Wow. Respect those who are around. Respect those. Cooperate, and this is a key message here. Cooperate with those who are doing good, irrespective. And yes, I'm going to be slightly controversial, irrespective of the, their theological background. Whether I myself am Athiri, Hanbali, and he is Ash'ari, and Maturidi, whatever the case may be, you have a common maslaha now. You have a common benefit, unite upon that particular benefit. We're not saying ignore the differences. No, don't ignore them. We're not saying, as in Khwana Muslimun say, we're not saying that we ignore what we have and no problem. No, don't ignore them. Deal with them academically. Deal with them in their particular... But we said, you know, but you said there's a time and place for those. There's a time and a place for that. I'm not saying ignore it. Don't ignore it. This is the opposite of what we have learnt from our mashayikh and from our history and our, our tradition. Deal with it, but that doesn't mean you can't unite upon one a specific benefit for Islam and the Muslims. You know? But, but, but Sheikh, okay, I fully agree with you on that yes. premise, right? But isn't there actually more greater things we can agree upon and unite upon with our brothers from different groups of movements Absolutely. than just one Muslim have for the benefit of Islam and Muslims? Absolutely. So for example, let's all different groups unite on prevent or the RSC. Isn't there actually more for us to unite upon the fact that we believe yes. in one Allah? But this was breakthrough, yeah. subhanAllah. Yeah. Because this RSC thing, everyone got on board nearly, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, because everyone's scared that we're going to have a generation full of um, homosexuals and gays yeah, and, and, and gender binary. the impact. Yeah. Yeah, and precisely. and well, look, it should fear the impact of other things as well, of course. Yeah. But I think it was a step in the right direction. Alhamdulillah. 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 May, yeah. may Allah, you know, advance this. That's uh, right. This yeah, unity yeah. Start something more. Yeah. I mean, um, Sheikh, you know, as we draw closer uh, to the end of the podcast, I, I don't want to end up opening a bigger kind of topic this time. But it's one that I hope that we can at least give some kind of cursory uh, insight to. So the podcast began with your journey to seeking uh, knowledge of Arabic in Egypt. Yeah. There you became more aware of the, the state of the Ummah. Yes. You attempted to go to Afghanistan, didn't work out, came back, got lifted, yes. uh, did some time in Rahman, came out, fixed up, sought knowledge. This is a quite a wicked recap, isn't it? Brilliant. Carry <laughs> on, Flash. Isn't it? Carry yeah. you, you've been listening then. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, so, uh, and then all the goodness happened, yeah. right? But we still have an elephant in the room. And that is the state of the Ummah. Mm, yes. Oppression, wars, no. injustice, no. occupation, invasion, no. dhulm, tyranny. So given that, given that that's nearly the case in everywhere from Indonesia to Morocco, from as north as the Caucasus to south of Sudan, where I believe one of your parents are from. Where, yeah, is my, father, from, my father's from Sudan, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, and obviously things have been happening in Sudan as well. So yes. considering that this has actually become the norm of the, of the Muslim majority for the best part of 100 years, how do we deal with mm-hmm. issues Good. pertaining to addressing injustice and tyranny? Yes. Uh, these, these, these kind of very controversial, politicized issues of rebelling yes. against the ruler, Absolutely. obeying the ruler. Yes. How does a, a Muslim in the Muslim world, mm-hmm. or even a Muslim who's part of this, yeah. the, the, the revivalist movements in the UK, yes. how do you navigate around these things? Is there even a consensus on, let's say, <sighs> are we allowed to rebel against the ruler? And, if I, and can I just add to that, just, just a little bit, Ustad, yeah. yeah? And that is, how do you, in a safe way, or is it even possible, considering the plethora of other difficult subjects that are being discussed and is already on the canvas for young Muslims? And I say young Muslims specifically because they may be the ones that struggle the most in understanding these these matters because they're very very politically loaded, yeah. and um, and you're very very impressionable, and you don't sometimes have the knowledge to fall back on and the nuance to yeah. be able to know right. 
um, this is how I handle it. Yes. This is when I talk about it. This is when I don't talk no. about it. Who do I trust to give me the Precisely. knowledge? Yes. And you know, the thing is, is that when we talk about what is the solution for the Muslims, we need to be honest with ourselves and understand that if there is a solution, then the solution has to be a holistic one. And it has to be a nuanced one. And it has to be one which every single, you know, academic, every single kind of imam or sheikh or whatever can offer something and come to the table. It's not that one particular group has the answer at all. And this is what many of the, for example, the Salafi Jihadi brothers have fallen into, where they believe that the only, the only, uh, the only correct solution, the only solution for Islam is to fight is the physical kind of jihad. No, no, but isn't that the means to attain a solution? The solution in that case would be, let's say, khilafah. So, yes. for example, I mean, I mean let's be frank. Yeah. Uh, Post uh, the demise of the Ottoman period, yeah. there were three... I will hope there's probably more, but there's three yes. prevalent revivalist groups that emerged. Mm-hmm. Ikhwan al-Muslimin, mm-hmm. 1928, Hizb al-Tahrir in 1956, mm-hmm. and different variations of the Salafi Jihadi movement, yes. right? Yeah. I'm sure there were others that were more uh, indigenous to their respective countries, but those were the three very amplified groups of movements that came about. And mm-hmm. ideologically, we still associate to one of the three yes. with regards to Minhaj. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and many of the prisons of the regimes throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s and 90s were made of yeah. people from these three Absolutely. groups. Yeah. So so given that, yeah. again, this, 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 this discussion comes back to the state of the Muslim Ummah today. Can it really be compared to what was understood and took place in Islamic history where our history was not perfect? Yes. We did have tyrannical rulers. We did have cases of civil war and civil strife and power struggles. But that was always from the perspective of the fact that we were a superpower and we had our own dola or we had had khilafah or we had, uh, we were just in a position of power. And having internal strife from the position of power is very different to having internal strife which has been orchestrated Precisely. externally yeah so the point we're in a new situation guys a very new situation well, right? we are in a situation which i think has only been periodically experienced in our situ- in our time which was the invasion of the mongol in baghdad 58 to 60 like, if you're 1258 yes. to 1261 right. and by the way if you try and find who actually spoke about this from the ulama who spoke about this particular period you won't find much mm-hmm. this is something i'm still researching today you will not find much and it's very shocking it's very strange as well subhanallah uh, but that's a time which it mimics to a certain extent. I'm not going to be intellectually disingenuous here and say it's, it's like how we live now. It's a completely different situation, but it mimics it in certain respects. No, but okay? there are correlations. There are correlations. Yes. correlations no, yeah. because, because it's not an absolute correlation. Yeah, but, but because nearly after what 600 years, yes. the Ummah at that time did not envisage that the institution of the Khilafah, yeah. as weak as that the, um, the Abbasiyah were yeah. at that time, that it would be full and ransacked yeah. in the manner in which yes. it was. Where, where you can argue that for three years there was no Khilafah. Or there was a shadow Khilafah, which was then upheld by the Mamluks. So there is some correlation. But the thing is, after this happened, you know, this wasn't reflected in our scholarship. Mm. It wasn't reflected in how the books were written. Look at, for example, any book in fiqh from of the former Dahib, even other than the former Dahib, the Zahiriya, for example, Ibn Hazm al-Muhalla. Open up Kitab al-Jihad. What's the first thing you find? Kitab al-Jihad, wa fard al-Kifaya. It's a collective. It's a collective obligation. Fard al-Kifaya, that refers to what? Offensive jihad. Uh, offensive jihad, yeah, yeah. of course. So you can see, because jihad al-dafa' or difa' yeah, yeah. when you're uh, pro- to protecting, it's not fard kifaya. It's a, it's fard al-ain. No, fard al-ain, but wouldn't fard al-ain then apply to you directly defending your home and your women folk when the attack comes to your doorstep? Yes, precisely. That's now, protection, but, but the problem is, I'm talking about open up any fiqh manual. 
This is the first sentence you'll find. So it's referring to what? Offensive. Offensive jihad. Yeah. So the ulama, exactly. The ulama can never, never envisage that will ever come to a situation. Where it have to be defensive. It will have to be defensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So of course. Anything. And this yeah. is a major thing to understand yeah. because if you try and separate contextualization of uh, from our kind of our so, the social political environment in which or the milieu in which all of these books were written, mm. you're going to be lost. Mm. You'll you'll be like those brothers who pick up the books from the statements of the salaf. And start, yeah, the Salaf said this. Oh, boycott the innovator. Don't sit with him. Don't say salam. Spit on his face. But yes, that was written in a very specific time when Ahl Sunnah were at their strongest, at their peak. Mm. It wasn't talking about 2019. Mm. When Ahl Sunnah in the first place, I mean, they're very mean, far and few between. It means different things to different people. Precisely. Well, yeah, that's another discussion yeah. of his yeah, which yeah, I see yeah. Dilly. Yeah. Uh, you want to yeah. go into certain things? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to do a part two on this Maybe one. part two on that one. And Chef picked up on that quick time. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. I think Dilly's, mashallah, uh, talking about Khuruj against the Hakim. He's alluding to the fact many of the Salaf did that against those oppressors and stuff like that. Well, there were instances. There were instances where they did rebel and there were instances where they didn't rebel. 100%. Bar talks about this. Ibn uh, Hazm talks about this. Uh, many people we talk about this. SubhanAllah. It happened. It's a part of our history. We can't yeah. deny the fact. However, Shaykh al-Islam, Abu Labas, al-Harrani, he says in Minhaj al-Sunnah Nabawiya that there came a time where, the, yes, the Salaf differed in this. Many of them rebelled. Many of them rebelled. This is a historical fact. I am not misquoting. I am not. You can find the books there. There are many sources. They did rebel. Uh, Muhammad ibn al-Ash'ath. Uh, the bay'ah uh, of Imam Malik ta'ala, when he said the bay'ah that you have in your, uh, in your neck is void and so the, he endorsed the, 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 the qal' or the mm. removal of the other hakim uh, Abdullah ibn Zubair you name it there's many yes. examples yeah? and also al-Hajjaj and stuff like this ibn Ashan Sa'id ibn Jubair al-Hasan uh, al-Basri Many examples. Many examples. Many, many, Even many. Hassan, uh, Hussein, yes. عنه, and, and Yazid, Ibn Muawiyah. Yeah? There's many examples. One of the biggest examples. One of the biggest examples. I actually have a video about this on my channel, actually, where I talk about it, talk about it in depth. Another plug. You have examples. They'll be, they'll be all at the bottom of the. You, you have examples where they just happen in history. However, Sheikh Muhammad said, yes, the Salaf, this happened. Did, did, did this happen? Did. Uh, my words are going confusing. This happened at the time of the Salaf. However, generally, Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah rested on the fact that going against the, the Hakim, who was a Zalim, an oppressor, Jair. A tyrannical ruler was prohibited. And this was the general consensus of Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah after the time of the Salaf, possibly due to the fact that the bloodshed that they saw it caused mm. and other things like this, other mafasid and harms. This I'll, is a great issue, it's a big issue, and it's a complex issue. I, I, and one last thing, I, I know this yeah. is this, and, I, and you will be back on the Blood Brothers yeah, to discuss it because this, okay. this is a huge topic in of Definitely, itself, right? Absolutely. But there's one very thing that I want to ask can we actually compare? the rulers of the past, many of whom were khulafa or sultans or the governors of, of, of legitimate khulafa, right? Who, no. who the ummah had given bay'ah to and as the ahl wali ahl wal aqd, etc. Can we compare those instances of tyrannical rule to today's? Where classically and historically speaking, whilst there may have been instances of tyranny and oppression, fundamental things pertaining to the deen was no. being fulfilled. No. The frontiers, the frontiers, yeah, the frontiers were being protected. Dawa and jihad was being created. Zakah was being collected and distributed. All, all these, all these major Shari conditions, fundamental mechanisms were being made. Can we make that comparison? The comparison today, where let's be frank about it. 
there is no Islam yeah. from a from a yeah. practical manifestation. I mean, most, I mean, let's be honest with you. I mean, for example, if you look at Syria now, mm. and that's a perfect case study. And I do hope many academics focus on Syria mm. now, and even the coming Allah subhanahu alleviate the distress I mean, of Muslims are experiencing. Yeah. It's a very good case study. Egypt is also a very good case study for what's happening. There's actually a book that was published recently, Islamiyin, with the, Egypt as a case study uh, by Ahmed Salim. You know, these the situation here is that there, well, there is no Islam. In the case of Bashar Assad, in the, mm. to be brutally honest, there, there was no Islam. Mm. There's no Islam. This is like a near consensus of the scholars that he's not a Muslim, he's Musaidi, which is a sect you know, from the Balkaniya yeah, and so on and so forth, right? So you can't now be disingenuous and make a comparison with these type of rulers who are not hukam shari'yun. They're not shari'i rulers in the first mm. place. All of what we talk about is refer- reference to a hakim shari'i. Mm. A hakim shari'i. Okay, this hakim shari'i, yes, he may be a dhalim, he may be tyrannical, he may be adil, he might be just and so on and so forth. But a hakim who is not a hakim shari'i, meaning he is a tyrannical ruler, uh, he doesn't have Islam in the first place, it's a completely different issue. Now we look at it from a Sunni perspective in terms of masalih and mafasid. Mm. And we can't then do qiyas and compare, you know, com, uh, com, uh, compare with what happened in the past with our salaf when that kind of social political environment was as it was and we described how it was. Okay? So it requires, I mean, look, and Allah Jalla says, When an issue of fear or security comes to them, they spread it. If only they refer it back to Allah and the Messenger and those who have the knowledge to extrapolate and interpret the situation based on the Quran, based on the Sunnah, meaning the ulama, and the tafsir of this is referring back to the ulama. So we have to refer back to the ulama who are trusted, the mainstream ulama who are agreed upon by the Muslims and refer back to them for, for, for guidance. Mm. However, our situation now is slightly different to the extent that it's, the scholars are not enough now. Mm. Now there's a lot more factors at play. We have to refer back to economists now as well. P- uh, people who are aware of the, poli- the, the, the politics of what's happening now. It's not just a kind of monolithic thing you know anymore mm. it's so diverse and so chaotic and so mm. you know it's, it's a very it's a very 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 delicate situation mm. now sure um as we bring the podcast to a close can you just briefly comment on th- there's a verse in the quran i i forgot which uh, surah it was but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, obey allah the messenger no. and those who rule over you. Now, is isn't there a caveat of obeying the those who rule over you that they also obey Allah and His messenger? No, this is what I said about a hakim shari, mm. a hakim who fills the conditions mm. of a shari. Uh, he is a legitimate shari conditions. Of course, you can go back to Akam Sultani and Nawardi, yes. Al Qadi Abu Yala, and many others who have spoken about this. Uh, Abu Maali and Jumani fi Inghiyat al Umm. There's so many, Al-Qadi, Ibn Jama'ah, many books have been written about this, right? There's mm-hmm. certain conditions. The Madahab differ slightly on the conditions, right? But generally, the, 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 there is a general consensus on, on, on the main... Practice and stuff like that. Yes. But the, the, what we have to be nuanced about is the one who is... The one who is a dhalim, who's an oppressor, versus the one who is now not an oppressor either. The one who is not an oppressor, there is absolute consensus that it is impermissible to rebe- rebel against him. There's consensus that it is haram, absolutely impermissible to do khuruj or even qal of him because he is adil, he is just, 
اوكي ابو ابو جعفر الطحاوي رحمه الله تعالى says in his ولا نرى الخروج على الحكام we don't see we don't view that it's permissible to do خروج against الحكام وان جاروا وان جاروا so الطحاوي رحمه الله تعالى because they be held to account so for example yes. if, if, so, 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 sorry to interject so no. if, if, if there's a ruler who without duress out of his own choice decides to govern his country or his land no According to other than what Allah has revealed as in the Sharia of Islam, oh, did yeah. you right? Into, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying. That, okay, so, no. so, so, so there's this khuruj and, and there's accountability. Absolutely, yeah. Reminding the ruler. Yeah. But that means a sense of duty that you have. No. See, you, there's a discussion of qal qal al hakim, yeah. Mm. Removing the hakim mm. differs slightly from al khuruj. Okay, we have to be. But can qal be like a coup? You can potentially Allah You can be raising arms you Potentially be, But end of the day It comes back to Al-Hali Wal-Aqid Sorry It comes back to Al-Hali Wal-Aqid But this mas'ala At the very base of it Comes down to Masai' Itibar and Masalih And Mufasid Because even if you say That You know <laughs> You know oh, Let me give the example Even if you say For example <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Allah Mustaan The Dili is dragging me To deep waters I'm trying yeah. my best To kind of <laughs> around it, yeah? Look You know Give modern examples if you want Whatever the case may be It comes down to Masalih and Mafasid As simple okay. as that Even if you Of the view that it's haram To rebel against an oppressive ruler Yeah mm. If the Mafsada is less If the Mafsada is less And you have the Qudra To do so And if doing so Bring more Maslaha for Islam And the Muslims Okay Then why would we stick to that opinion for? Mm. Why would we not go further Go back to the books And see exactly how the Salaf Would treat these people If it meant that There is greater maslaha For Islam and the Muslims But it comes down to Qudra And it comes down to Mafsada It comes down to the ability The physical ability And not only physical But it's also much more deeper than that So for our listeners You're essentially referring to things Such as have to be considered The preservation of life The preservation of deen Bloodshed uh, in yes. Will the situation strife. worsen? Yeah, yes. will, will, it, will it worsen? It's, or will more, it, it's more complex or, than that or, 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 But, be, but be, generally yeah. those things yeah. would be factored Or would it advance the cause of Islam In a positive way? These yeah. things would have to be factored Before you, if there's any discussion of Khuruj Absolutely. and rebellion I mean look, these are Big issues, man. And to be honest with you, Shabab, and this is something very important for the listeners, we resort back to the ulama these things. Yeah. Because we have seen when people don't refer back to the ulama, we've seen bloodshed. We have seen and we don't want the, want this upon the Muslims. Yeah. We've, we've we've bled enough. Yeah. We've bled enough, guys. You know, we want Islam to be prevailing, alhamdulillah. We want sure. our uh, the Muslims to be safe. We want Islam to be victorious, inshallah. inshallah. But that will only come back by... Sticking with the ulama, sticking with those, having a holistic solution, guys. Yeah, I keep going on about the ulama. It's not only the ulama; it's having a holistic solution. And by all means, you know, Allah Jalla wa'ala says, "Al-Izza lillah wal-Aqibatul Muttaqin." The end, the beautiful end, is for the muttaqin. Mm. So, Allah Jalla wa'ala will give victory to his believers, sure. to, to Islam, whether we whether we aid in that or we don't aid in that. And I pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that we pray to live. To see the return of such a time that we can contribute to it and not Ameen. be mere Ameen. and not be mere bystanders to that. Ameen. 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 And as we bring the podcast to a pleasant close, Sheikh, I just want to say that Wallahi, it was an absolute pleasure having Barakallah. you. Feels you know, you know we've, had, <laughs> we've had a number of guests and we will no. be having a number of guests, but we didn't <laughs> listen. We, we listened so much. Yeah. You, you, okay. you, 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 always, <laughs> you're, you're the tussle. There's always oh, a tussle. Yeah. There's always a, yeah, yeah, let me talk, let man. Me talk, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, Wallahi, I genuinely, I thoroughly enjoyed. Just listening and just hearing hearing yeah, your background. It was a pleasure to be here. And right? and, and before you part from us, you know, such is 
the sunnah of this podcast no. is, is that it sunnah hasana or it's a sunnah hasana actually we will we'll, we'll see afterwards we'll see right. depending on how you react <laughs> so what we do is we, we offer our guest uh, three options uh, yeah. one cannot be offered because we're fasting and it's Ramadan so you have two options it's either Islam or Jizya no 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 no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> seeing the size no. of those biceps Sheikh um, oh, come on, I have bro. to and, and viewers you can't see it we come can on, see, we, no, no, see no, through no, the no, phone no 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 Sheikh very vascular so one of the iconic one of the symbolic things that we do at Blood Brothers is that we offer our male guests um not that we actually oh god I'm going to center Billy's all over the place today an arm wrestle or a thumb wall Now come on. I, I don't see you as someone who's a yeah. thumb more person. No. No, no, no. You well, know what I'm flexing now. So, so Sheikh, I, so Sheikh oh. I politely and respectfully invite you to an arm wrestle. Do you accept? Yeah, yeah. Bismillah. I'm Bismillah. glad I'm glad it, it was kind of just uh, accepted that Dilly was doing this. So okay. Here we go. This tape was not big enough. No, that's fine. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. fine. Bismillah. What are the, what are the rules? What are the, rules? No, the, the rule is you can hold on to this. You can hold on to this. You can hold on to this. Look at that bicep, mashallah. Are we doing? Look at the size of your biceps. It's the size of my thighs. It's really, it's crazy. It's the size of my thighs. Ustad's arms are like a 16-year-old, under 16 rugby players. Thighs. Okay, so we're doing best of one, yeah. Best of one, yeah. Yes. So basically one, yeah. You can't hold on to this. Here we go. One, round two, three. Oh, here we go. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's happening! <laughs> oh, there's a two and four happening! Oh, it's almost moving. What's happening? <laughs> oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Come on, chef! <laughs> oh, oh my! God. It was a tough one, chef. Zakhma, Allah bless you. Allah, I mean, how how often do you go to the gym? Uh, three, four times, yeah. and I only do arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, all he does, he gets wasted. Does this? Guys, you guys set me up for that. No, no, no. No, no that was that was tight. <laughs> Chef, that was tight. We should cut that bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll edit it. We'll make it. We'll Chef. just leave it in the middle. Pleasure to be here, guys. Allah bless you. Allah bless you. I mean, I mean, I mean. I mean, Zakhmah. Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, the next episode should be out in seven to ten days. Uh, Aki. Anything you want to say? It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, uh, follow Salam closely. Yes. Uh, I'm sure Ustad is going to have some really, really good uh, material coming out soon as well. Shall all the other brothers involved in Salam, and um, uh, get ready for the next episode. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Flood Brothers Podcast, a five pillars of mad monolith production.